everyone. I'm Brittany, the content and research producer. And I'm Ellie, the media and content producer at Magnify. And welcome to the Magnify podcast, where we co-host aspirational conversations to help you thrive and work through faith. This podcast is a place where we explore all the topics and questions which we all grapple with in our careers in faith, from imposter syndrome, identity, perfectionism, acting in courage, boundaries, really the list could go on. We dig in and get frank about all things work using faith as a backdrop. And through these conversations with dynamic individuals, we hope you'll leave informed, intrigued, and inspired in your faith and work life. You know, growing up, I always thought that like being famous would feel successful. And then I became famous for no reason. So things were coming from that, right? Like hosting opportunities and, and gigs. And I was like, okay, maybe like this is what it's going to turn into. And the more like known I became, the less fulfilling it became. Like this whole pursuit that I was on just like never satisfied. All right. So this episode, we're looking at um, finding meaning in our work. And we all want our work to have some sort of meaning, both personally and on a wider scale. And Ellie, what has your experience been like with finding meaning in your work? And is that something that's been important for you? Yeah, it's definitely always been something that I found very important because for me, like the relationship between happiness and like finding meaning in my work is very closely linked because I know that what I'm doing, there's like a greater, there's a greater picture to it, but there are definitely times when I felt like, what am I doing? Why am I here? But even in like work that I love doing as well, I go through phases where I really find it hard to find meaning. And I think that's a really natural thing and a really normal thing to go through. I try to give myself grace with it because I know that it's not going to be something which I have every day. Absolutely. I think that's such a good point. And so in those times when we may find ourselves in jobs where the meaning isn't obvious, or when we go through times of falling out of love, the work we do how can we find significance where we are so we're going to be trying to answer that question today with our guest ben higgins who is the author of alone in plain sight and the founder of generous which is a company where 100 percent of its profits from its products are donated to life-changing organizations and after starring in the u.s reality show the bachelor he realized that finding meaning in the work we do is rooted much deeper than what our material wealth may be so in this episode ben opens up about the work he does with generous the key to finding meaning in our work, even on the days when the bigger picture is hard to see, and why he's had to redefine his meaning of success in order to find significance in the work that he carries out. It was a great episode, so let's listen in. So thank you so much for joining um, joining on today, Ben. We're so excited to have you and to chat with you a bit about work. Um, but before we start, I just wanted to have a little bit of fun. So um, I wanted to open up with a question for everybody of kind of what's heavily played on your music playlist right now? There is an, uh, a playlist on Spotify called Indie Spirit. And it's like a folky, it's like very like storytelling, life-telling music. And I like to play that right now. Over and over. Like yeah. over and over. <laughs> what about you, Ellie? Well, yeah, I wish my answer was a bit more um, well thought out than that. But I recently like did a big clear out um, of my room back at my um, my mum's house. So I really found like all my old tapes and stuff. So I've been re-listening to like all the Spice Girls, like literally their whole sort of every album through and through. I just, yeah, it just brings back like nostalgic emotions for me and I love it. I would guess Spice Girls are always going to be good. Their time is really well. Yeah. (laughs) What about you, Brittany? I kind of feel like I'm the boring one because I don't actually, (laughs) I don't actually have a playlist that I'm listening to at the moment. So I don't think there's any like one song. I do listen to some stuff from um, like Maverick City Music, but 
other than that, I haven't listened to anything like on repeat. Well, now you've got some options. Now you've got to start finding something, all right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and we always love to do a quick fire um, round with our guests as well. So to start off with, if you could have um, a dinner party with three guests from any era, who would they be and why? That is such a good question. Well, uh, I'm a Christian, so Jesus would be really awesome to sit down with. I have a lot of questions for that dude. Uh, a lot of things I want to talk about. So that would be number one. Uh, I, I also... Uh, would have to say um, Henry Ford. And the reason for that is not necessarily like as a role model, but more intrigued with the progression and the innovation that he implemented and like where we're at today, where, you know, most people have a car, most people operate by automobile. So I think that would be really interesting to kind of hear that perspective. And then Oprah. Uh, Oprah is like, I feel like Oprah's going to be in a hundred years. People are going to be talking about Oprah as the person who changed entertainment. And I would, I just want to know what it's like to be her, like to know the impact that she has that with one, one, uh, acknowledgement or if she puts somebody on a show, like it's going to change her life forever. Like that's a lot of power, but, um, I'd be very intrigued by her. Um, amazing. Um, what's your favorite thing about your career? Uh, it's people focused. And so I just like every day, the better I'm doing at my job, the more people we're connecting with. I think it's the, like, it's what I always say is that like, it allows me a seat at the table and a bunch of people's stories. I think that's the most fun part. Uh, and, and it's kind of how the job's been like designed and functioned. And so I think when it comes to my daily job, just the ability to sit down with somebody and say, how are you doing? Where are you at? What do you need? What do you want? What do you dream of? And that's the coolest part. Amazing. I love that. Um, and finally, what's a surprising fact about you? Surprising fact about me? Oh, there's so many weird things. One is uh, I can't eat eggs. It's due to a health issue, but I can't, like, not that I'm allergic to eggs. So I can have eggs and, like, when it's baked in the bread, but, like, raw eggs don't, don't work with me. That's kind of intriguing. <laughs> well, okay. We want to take it kind of back to the beginning a little bit before we get into our conversation about um, kind of making our work um, more meaningful or adding meaning to it. And so kind of growing up, what was your childhood like and what are kind of some of the values from them that shaped you? Well, I grew up in Indiana, um, small Midwestern town and I'm only child. And uh, that's kind of a good place to start because the values that I got that are really positive from Indiana are people really do care about each other they're very, in a sense, you could almost say nosy, like they care so much um, that you're almost like, get out of my business is our biggest complaint. And then when you move out of there, your biggest complaint is like, hey, nobody wants to know what I'm doing. Like nobody cares. So that's actually a really big positive. I also think that everybody in the town pretty much knew each other. And so there was a lot of connections. There was a lot of like uh, rhythm to uh, you knew who was doing what and what they, why they were doing it. I think that was really always uh, it, important to me so it allowed me to try to make that in every community I go to so like in Denver now uh, I still try to have that group and that community around me because of what I felt in, in Indiana you know I did grow up in a family of faith uh, and that has I think been um, one of the greatest gifts to me uh, it's kind of it's the reason why I do what I do it's the reason why you know the companies that I'm a part of are, have been started but I think that's important to note uh, and know about me 
for our listeners to hear a bit more about um, what you do. If you could talk mm-hmm. through kind of what a bit of your day-to-day looks like. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'll, uh, I'll highlight it because the cool part about my life now is I get to be in- involved in a bunch of cool projects. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some main ones that I'll highlight. One uh, is MyFanThreads. MyFanThreads is an apparel company that I started um, that does drop shipping and print on demand orders for nonprofits and business, small businesses that don't or can't afford to have inventory on hand. That's been a really fun project, but it's like the one I talk about the least because it kind of operates itself and it's kind of, it's just a, a great product. Now, the one I advocate for the most is one called Generous. So Generous is the company that I'm the president of. Uh, I stepped down as the CEO uh, a little over four months ago based on um, the next project I'll talk about. Uh, life was getting a little too busy. I wasn't able to give it the time or the focus that I needed. And so we found a really great uh, partner to come in with me. And it's still a part of my life every day. It's something I work on every day, but it's not, I'm not developing uh, strategy uh, on my own anymore. So Generous is a for-purpose company. So we're for-profit, but we're for-purpose. So the, the owners of Generous have all agreed and signed off an operating agreement that upon this, uh, the sale of Generous as a company, states value to $20 million. Uh, all that money would be donated to nonprofits and social causes. Uh, in addition to that, uh, everybody's agreed that the profits from each product sold will be donated uh, to nonprofits and social causes. So it is 100% of profits are donated back, and that's why we exist. We are a for-purpose company uh, that is dedicated to using our uh, sales to invest in the nonprofit and social causes around the world. Uh, that's a really important thing for me. It's what I advocate for often. I believe in it. I've seen the, the stuff and the work that it's able to do. And then finally, uh, well, I guess two final things. Uh, one, I have a podcast on iHeartRadio. If you're not a fan of The Bachelor, I wouldn't listen to it. But if you are a fan of The Bachelor, I would definitely listen to it. Uh, and then uh, I just finished a book, and it just uh, got released uh, just a couple weeks ago. It's my most personal project. It's one that I care a ton about. And that's kind of why I had to step away from Generous, is because the book, uh, more than I thought, became all-consuming in every way, from the writing to the marketing, to now the promotion. That's incredible. And so we're so excited to kind of delve into, honestly, all of those a bit more. And so um, you touched on it just a bit a second ago, but um, what does meaningful work look like to you? And why is it kind of important for you to, to have meaning in that work? Well, I think for me, you know, I, I think you can find meaning in a bunch of things. Um, you know, some people want to invest their time into supporting animals or um, supporting the environment. All those things are worthy pursuits. No, there's no hierarchy of need. Uh, But uh, my work, uh, I like to focus on people. And so because of my faith, and uh, and there's there's a commandment in the Bible that says, love God and love others. And that's kind of what like, I don't know a lot else in this world. I don't claim to. Um, You're not going to hear me preach about the things you shouldn't, shouldn't do. All I know is that when I love God and love others well, Life has more purpose, more meaning, more value, and it makes more sense. And so that's why I do what I do, because I believe that loving God and loving others is the, is the thing we were created to do. Um, that's, that's also then my motivation for why I invest in the projects I invest in. Uh, Generous is people-focused. Um, the book is people-focused. Uh, the book is called Alone in Plain Sight, by the way. Um, but that's what meaningful work means, is when I can involve myself in stories of others and invest in the people. Amazing. I love what you said there of like, there's no hierarchy of, you know, of the best cause to work for or the best cause to put money towards. It's all very much an equal playing field. And it's really what touches your heart most. And with you, that's um, people. And I think 
part of you know finding meaning in our work is being able to give back as well through what we do and making an impact in other people's lives um so sort of going back to your company generous what was your mission behind starting that well it came when i was 15 years old i went with my church to a uh, to uh, honduras and in honduras i saw for the first time true poverty we have poverty here in the u.s uh and generous invests domestically as well but this is where my like my view of the world got blown up the simplicity that existed in indiana was no longer uh existing like the fact that i thought everybody had a job everybody um had a nice home everybody got food had food on the table everybody had clean water healthcare, and education and school i thought it was just a thing like i didn't even i wasn't even exposed to questioning that and then i went to honduras and i saw that um there was a lot of injustice placed on these people but also because of that they were fighting an uphill battle they didn't have clean water they didn't have food they didn't have health care they didn't have education um they didn't have transportation they didn't have homes and uh, so that was when I was 15. Uh, then we went back the next year and the people were still in that same place. Uh, some people had actually passed away due to those, the lack of those things. And I, it, like, my buddies were with me and it like really affected us in an angry way. Like, where are you at in this God? Are you even, do you even exist? And then also like, what's, what is like, is there not a better way? And so my buddy then was smart enough to form an organization called Humanity and Hope United. And Humanity and Hope United's uh, mission is to go into these communities and ask them what they need, what they want, what they dream of. And then we work alongside of them to help them get there. So we don't go down as the saviors to just give them a bunch of stuff and say, hey, look at us. We're really awesome. No, we just partner with them in friendship for, I mean, at this point, 10 years to be to be a partner, uh, to, to help uh things go forward just like you'd want, you know, they've been partners to us and we've been partners to them. But one thing happened uh, about six years ago, uh, the bachelor happened and our fundraising for Humanity Hope United skyrocketed. Uh, I was talking about it all the time, but we realized that that wasn't going to last forever. And we have this organization that's built on sustainable change. And so how are you going to build out strategy five years in advance without knowing where your fundraising is going to come from or where your don't, you know, where your donor base is going to come from? And so we said, okay, let's do this. We started a company, which is now generous with the idea that we could sell product that is environmentally friendly, socially responsible, and then donate hundred percent of the profits to nonprofits and social causes around the world, not just Humanity and Hope United, but Humanity and Hope United being one of the main beneficiaries uh, so that they would have a sustainable source of, fun, uh, of fundraising uh, year over year over year. And that's where Generous came from. It came from that idea that we could be the engine that helps these organizations on the ground work and operate. I love that so much. And I think specifically picking up on your point there of you came alongside the people that needed help. You didn't come in as we know what you need, you know, like we're going to give you what we think you need. You actually understood what they were lacking and were able to come alongside in collaboration with them to be able to help them as well. Um, and in doing that, what have been some of the, sort of the positive impacts that have sort of hit you most um, through the work that you do? Oh man, so many. Um, yeah. What a, what a weird concept where I would think so highly of myself that uh, I would go to somebody else and say, I know what you need and I'm just going to give it to you and I'm going to trust that you're going to like it. It was important for us not to change the culture. It was important for us not to be the saviors or act like the saviors. It was important for us to help the people in these communities understand just how incredible they were and not by just telling them that and like then taking a picture with them and posting it, but like actually um, working alongside of them. So I think that's maybe where I'd start saying the greatest impact or the, the biggest difference is when you 
when somebody feels empowered, uh, and also when they have ownership into something, there's a great responsibility that comes with that, and then a great purpose and passion. People's skill sets can shine, their talents can shine. Uh, I have a good story where uh, uh, probably four years ago now, we entered into a new community and we sat down with their leadership team and said, okay, what do you need? What do you want? What do you, what do you dream of? And uh, the women on the team said, we want jobs for women. And we're like, no, you need clean water. Like, you don't have any clean water. You need clean water. I remember this conversation. I was sitting in the room. The lady goes, no, we want jobs for women. I'm like, help us understand. She goes, well, because we have jobs for women. There's going to be more uh, income coming into the household. Uh, there's going to be equality in the household. We're going to be able to pay uh, then to get clean water to come here. Uh, and it will, and, and everybody will have equal sh say and share of that clean water. You need clean, we need jobs for women. And we're like, all right, well, we'll do jobs for women. Well, fast forward four years, it's the best decision they've ever made, right? I mean, all of those things came true and many more. These women are thriving. Uh, the kids see, now the young kids see these women working and investing back into the family. Uh, the husbands don't have to be gone for 12 hours a day to, uh, to go hundreds of miles or tens of miles and walk hours to get there. Uh, there's a lot of benefits from this and we're seeing it. And it's just another way that it shows that if you, people know what they want more than you do and that we, we can't go down there thinking that we know it all. Your um, company generates it so much more than just selling products. You also um, partner with other organizations as well. Um, so through that, those collaborations, how have you seen the impact been propelled as well? Um, to be just more than what you could have done as a single company? Well, you know, I think we, so like during our holiday campaign every year, one of the things we love to do is we, we gather a bunch of for-purpose businesses and highlight them on our social media. Uh, because ultimately, if you're a for-purpose company, what you're saying is, I believe that if my company grows, I'm going to be able to have a greater impact. And so the competition side of things gets really awkward when you're like, competing against another for-purpose company who is also trying to do really good things in the world. So maybe the better way to look at it is, and a generous we've tried to do this, is to say, okay, they're not our competitors. We're teammates. Uh, we're all, we, there's, there's enough opportunity in this world for all of us. Actually, the more saturated the for-purpose space becomes, as long as these companies are efficient and effective and honest with their funds, the better the world will become. And so we just want to highlight them, lift them up, expecting that nothing more than the fact that we'll be able to share the cool stories that are going on around the world. I think that's probably the greatest impact because typically the, the consumer of a for-purpose product will also be the consumer of your product. And so as we highlight blanket companies like sackcloth and ashes, or we shoe companies or water companies, whatever that is, you know, as we cross market or we, cr we lift up each other, uh, our, our business grows as well. And so, yeah, it's kind of the, the focus that we want to take is, is highlighting those companies, lifting them up and wanting them to succeed just as much as we do. Amazing. I love that outlook so much of um, your teammates, you're not competitors. Um, I think that's really important. And sort of going back to your faith there as well, um, how has your faith inspired you to create a business which gives back and isn't just about profit? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think none of this makes sense. Like if you, you know, we, we laugh, like if you want a terrible financial investment, you would invest your money, not buy our product, but invest your capital into the generous business. Like you would say, I want to pour $10,000 to get a return on generous. I will tell you, Hey, that's not a good investment. We donate everything away. Like it's not, 
we are not building a machine to, to get rich on here. But if you want to buy our product, that's an incredible investment that you're making. You're not only consuming coffee and wearing t-shirts and all those things, you're also knowing it's going back to, to greater life change. Say all of that. Um, because none of this makes sense unless you see the faith behind it, unless you see uh, what the owners and the team at Generous believes is the call of God is to say, love God, love others. Um, and what we found is as we've done that and we do it well, now it doesn't always, not always done perfectly. We mess up and our own egos and pride, especially mine, get in the way often. But when we do it well, uh, there's a rhythm to life. There's a joy that comes with it. Um, there is in a sense, maybe not a clarity, but a complexity that is beautiful, right? You get to see poverty. You get to, you get the opportunity to invest your time in the people that are hurting the most, which is complex and it's confusing and it hurts and it's sad, but yet it's beautiful because then you can see some solutions being put in place. You can see some lives, um, bettered. Uh, and so my faith and, and, and I would say most of the team at Generous's faith is the reason we do what we do every step it's it is our filter it is our process it is it is our guide um and really rewinding with your faith here as well how did you come to faith i was going i got out of two surgeries uh and i got addicted to painkillers and then i was also uh, really mistreating uh women uh it was it wasn't like i was a terrible dude i don't look back on that season of life and be like but i wasn't a good dude i had very i had one uh one mission in mind and i think we can all assume without going to detail what that was and it was one day it was really odd to me i was still addicted and i just had uh somebody had just left and i looked in the mirror and i like looked at myself in the eyes i don't know if you've ever done this have you ever like looked in the mirror and looked at yourself in the eyes like stared into your soul it's be prepared it's, it's a wild thing um but i did it and what shined back with me was this feeling of you're not the man you ever said you want to be you're not the man that uh you ever dreamed of being uh, you're missing the mark. You're hurting people. You're hurting yourself. People uh, are not being better because they're a part of your life. They're actually probably being worse. And at that moment, I just, I fell on my hands and knees. And I said, God, if you're there, if you're real, if you're out there, I need you to help me make sense of this all. And I would say with a lot of confidence, God showed up. And from that moment on, there's been many more uh, instances of me getting on my hands and knees saying, God, I need you. Um, but those moments have been in a sense beautiful because it continues to keep me on track and see that there, I believe at least that there's a God that loves and that cares. So that's kind of my big, like, that's like the pivot moment for me to say, okay, I, I, I want to, I want to take this thing serious. But going into that a bit more with like, just thinking through kind of meaning in our everyday, um, of just personally, like what for you is like the relationship between I guess, success in finding meaning in your work. Cause I think sometimes we can have, you know, we can think like a certain type of success is what's going to bring us the meaning. Um, and then I think, I don't know, sometimes maybe we get it and it's not exactly what we were thinking, but um, yeah, we'd love to hear a bit more about that. Well, I've always thought, you know, growing up, I always thought that like being famous would feel successful. And then I became famous for no reason. Like I was literally famous because I was on a dating show that had no tangible skill sets associated with it, except the fact that I was there. And so then it was like a big humbling moment for me. I was like, okay, I've, I found this thing that I thought I always wanted and it's for no really good reason. And I'm not saying that to like be self-deprecating. It like really isn't. And that was a weird moment for me. And then I also was tasting things. So things were coming from that, right? Like hosting opportunities and, and, and gigs. And I was like, okay, maybe like this is what it's going to turn into. And, uh, 
And the more like known I became, the less fulfilling it became. Like this whole pursuit that I was on just like never satisfied. And I think as I balanced that out, I was, I, I had to redefine success. I had to redefine what success looked like to me. And, and honestly, um, it took years. It still is hard, but like what success means to me is being a part of other people's stories. Those are the things that have enriched my life the most. And I, and I would say none of that makes sense. And it sounds really corny until you experience it. But when you're really invested in other people's stories, when you're breaking bread and drinking wine and sharing the, within lives in the lives of others, and you, that's where the most fulfillment comes from. That's so good. I feel like too, for, we were actually having this conversation um, just a little bit earlier of just like, sometimes you can be in, I don't know, kind of a situation, whether it's like a job or whatever it is, um, where you're like, you aren't exactly sure what the meaning is within it at that moment. Um, and just thinking through that. So for um, people who may not, like the meaning might not be apparent to them yeah. in that moment, what are, uh, I don't know, what are kind of some of the things that they can do to like find I love this find question. it or even just wade through that. Well, one is if we're talking purpose, I would always say that like your purpose is identifying what makes you angriest maybe in this world or what fires you up the most. It doesn't have to be anger. It can just be like fiery and then go pursue it. Like join on the causes that are fighting it or go join, start something. But like, that's kind of how the purpose starts. But when we talk about meaning, uh, I'm starting to, uh, and I need to, I, I won't sit on this thought because I don't, I don't know if it's true, but I'm starting to realize that I don't know if we ever know the true meaning uh, while we're in something that it's always, the, the foresight that allows us to see it. And I say that because how many times in our life has the smallest little things that we like totally like push aside have affected our path forever, right? I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about this uh, job I had um, where I was working at a youth center and I went to Applebee's uh, to have a beer with somebody and they mentioned that I need to get out of my hometown I uh, went back to work, had that on my heart, was telling my boss about it. She said that her brother works in Denver and might have a job opening. Uh, so I called him. He offered me the job. I started working there, which allowed me to meet the marketing director, which signed me up for the bachelor. And the bachelor's allowed me to start generous. Like, like just that one moment at Applebee's, I think has like started a whole path forward. And, and you know, so I didn't know that meeting in Applebee's had so much weight on it, but it did. And I would never recognize that till now. And so if you're struggling with the meaning of it, I would say uh, there's a purpose why you're there no matter what. Like that's, there's always a meaning. And, and maybe the, the cool part you can do right now is to start diving into it. Like start reflecting on where you're at, what impact you have, what you're doing uh, and seeing if there's any fruit coming from the work that you're doing. And if there's not right now, I guarantee there will be later. Uh, but just sitting in the moment and ask yourself the question, why am I here? Like, and, and again, I'm, I mean, I'm oversimplifying it, but like, no matter where you're at and what you're doing, a really good answer for that is if you don't believe in a God, then your answer could be just, I'm here to love on others. Okay. That's a good start. Just start doing that well. I was going to say, I feel like that's always like, well, maybe not always has been my first thought, but like lately I've been thinking, you know, like wherever I am, it's more so um, kind of to your point, like getting to know somebody's story, like getting yeah. to who is this for like you two are here, you and this other person are like here in this moment or interacting in this yeah. moment. Like what's happening here? Like it's a conversation there that like only y'all are having. So what is it in some ways? How sacred is that idea that you're, in, yeah. that you're able to have conversation too? Like we have breath 
and that we can communicate and that we're sitting amongst each other sharing life. Like that's wild. We take it for granted. It's the one thing we take most for granted, but like that in itself is, is spectacular and should be celebrated at every moment we get the opportunity. Brittany and I both worked retail as well for a really long time. And we always speak about, you know, like the folding the sweater, that was never the part that we found meaning in, but it was always the conversations with those customers where we could say, okay, this job is more than just, you know, folding a sweater. And that's not to say that there's only one, there's always going to be two parts of your work. There's going to be the side which you have meaning and there's going to be the sides where you're going to have to do those jobs to be able to find the meaning as well. So I think finding that relationship and understanding that you can't have one without the other is really important as well. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I'd agree. No, I'd, I'd fully agree with you. Love that. I feel like it's like the folding the sweater is the part that's like developing your meaning, honestly, yeah. <laughs> like developing like the discipline and the character. But do you ever have days where you, I don't know, maybe like the, the big picture isn't in focus as much or it's like a little more fuzzy? And like, how do you kind of remind yourself of the reason why you do what you do? Every day. Yes. So let's talk about the book, right? Um, write this book. It's very personal to me. Uh, has a lot in it that I care about deeply and I am getting ready to promote it and I start to feel this overwhelming personal connection to it where I'm like if people don't buy the book it's gonna I'm gonna feel personally hurt by that right uh, and the book starts and like and I don't even know I, I still to this day because I refuse because I feel like I'd be disappointed I don't even know how many books a good book sells like I don't I don't know like how much a New York Times best-selling book sells I don't want to know so don't tell me um, <laughs> but I realized that no amount of number was ever going to satisfy. Um, but I was living in this place for months where I was like, I got to sell books. I got to sell books. I got to sell books. And it took a friend of mine to kind of pull me back and go, why did you write this book? Like if you wanted to sell a bunch of copies, you would have wrote a bachelor tell all. I didn't write a bachelor tell all because I wanted to write a book that mattered or that I thought somebody could benefit from. And so I had to refocus and go, Hey, this book was not about selling a billion copies. Uh, this book is not about making you a ton of money. This book has always been about something different than that. It's always been about the thing that is the bigger picture in your life, which is to invest in the people and try to love them well and try to love them well through this project. So yes, often. Uh, and I think the way to get back is to speak the truth back over myself on why I do what I do. One other thing, I think sometimes when we are in some workplaces, like, you know, are the leader of it or whoever's in charge can kind of like shape the culture but if they aren't necessarily um I don't know maybe they're not necessarily focused on like helping with purpose or helping with meaning if you for people that might find themselves in um a situation like that like how can they I don't know what advice do you give to someone who um might be in that situation where they don't have necessarily someone who's kind of encouraging that within them or within the workspace. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I like to think of the idea of being a community maker. So if you're somebody who has identified a problem or that you're hoping for something to change in your workplace, there's only one person that's going to be able to do that, make that change very healthy. Well, I, I like to go through a, a process of making sure that the, the change that you want to see is helpful. So like you need to have some awareness on, is this going to help or is this going to hurt the situation? Um, but then you got to be the change you want to see in the world. The nice famous, you know, saying, uh, and if nobody else is encouraging you to do that, then you're running a journey on your own. But I bet along the way, you're going to pick up and find some others who will come along and support you. But it might be a, a little bit of a lonely journey for a bit, but it's different because you see a need and you want to go fulfill it. Uh, the one thing, the other truth to that is, uh, this is just a truth. This isn't a nice, 
uh, Corny's saying. It's like everybody really has incredible skill sets and talents. And the fact that you have breath on this world, uh, that you're breathing and you're, you're moving is a, a terrific gift. And we need you um, in, in every way, especially if you're somebody processing uh, the thoughts of what's how can I make my workplace more community focused? How can I love on my uh, coworkers and my neighbor as well? Like if you're that type of person, we need you in every way right now. And so I just say like, you have a purpose, you have a value. If those are the thoughts going through your head, go out and make that change, but make sure you process it through the lens of is the change that I'm making helping or hurting? Because the one thing that's really complex as I talk about in Honduras is you can go in and think you're going to be the savior of the world. Uh, and that's not going to work out for you. But you need to process, how can I make this change so that I am not becoming greater, but others are becoming greater around me? Um, definitely. And I think also sort of going back to your, um, at the very beginning when you said, you know, it's been a busy day and especially with the release of your book um, and having to sort of step down as CEO of Generous as well. Um, I think that's very a very refreshing view to hear if you don't feel like you have to take on everything to be the best, mm. um, but you want to do the best in what you are doing. But during those busy periods of our work lives, we can experience burnout, um, which can also lead us to falling out of love in our work and also therefore sort of losing the meaning of why we do what we do. But have you experienced burnout throughout um, sort of your career and how do you ensure that you don't reach that point sort of once experiencing it the first time? Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with an author named Bob Goff, but Bob Goff is, is an author and he had me on his podcast and he didn't tell me the topic. And the topic was time management. And he brings it up as we're recording. And I was like, Bob, this is the one thing I'm worse. Like this, I have no clue. Like I don't have any idea how to answer these questions. And so he taught me and it's something that's healthy. So I don't know if you know this, but Bob's rhythm is this. He works really hard for uh, nine months a year. And then he disappears for three months. Like doesn't bring a cell phone, doesn't bring his computer. He's gone. He's off the grid. Not, not everybody has that luxury. I understand that. But I think the idea of it works is like, you need to take a rest. You need to make it a priority. You need to be okay with not doing anything. You need to sit in silence. You need to sit amongst friends. You need to sit and just let, I call it, let your mind go. My fiance thinks it's the weirdest thing that I say, but I let your mind go. Just let your thoughts and your emotions and your feelings get refreshed and reign over you so that you can figure out where you're at. Because when you're in the rhythm and you're moving all the time, that can get lost. So um, I just think it's making it a priority. Now, okay, let's, uh, the follow-up is like, what if that's just not even an option? Like, what if you don't have the option of resting? Then my answer to ref- like to the refreshing period um, would be to invest in yourself into something you love. Find moments to reflect, to react. I would just say like, if you can find the space, find it to rest, to reflect, to enjoy, and to soak in this world. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think so practical to everyone listening as well. You know, it doesn't matter what sphere you're in, what job title you have, you know, everyone can apply that to their lives. Um, and sort of going off of that as well, I think a lot of the time when we sort of chase our dream jobs or, you know, you're in a position such as yourself where you've built this business up to be what you want it to be and you put, you know, your heart and soul into it, you put so much energy and time into it. Um, there can be a guilt with that then when we may start to feel like, oh, we don't love the work as much when we go through those periods of losing the meaning. Um, but how do you remind yourself that it's okay to feel tired and you're not alone in that as well? 
Uh, well, I can just tell you you're not alone because I feel that way. Others feel that way. You're not alone in that. Typically, I would say when you're especially passionate about something as well, you're going to run yourself dry. Um, so if you have the ability and the luxury, set up boundaries so that you never get there. Um, uh, set up strict boundaries, especially if you are somebody uh, who works in an environment where that's that conversation's open. Either you're the leader of it or you're working for somebody, but like open up the door to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set my phone aside uh, at five o'clock and I'm going to go home and I'm not going to show up again till 8 a.m. And then I'm going to step back into it. So like from five to 8 a.m., I'm a, fa a family man or I'm going to hang out with my friends, whatever that is. But you got to set up boundaries so that the expectation, I think this is always important. So the expectation is there um, so that nobody's fooled or tricked or surprised when that happens. Once they get in a rhythm of it, they kind of expect it. Um, but you're not alone if you're feeling tired and, and worn out. Yeah, definitely. Um, and just to pick up on your point there of like creating those boundaries um, in your own work, I think it can actually be quite hard to enforce those boundaries at points. So how have you managed to do that to ensure that you do have that time sort of from 5 to 8 a.m. to do what you want to do in your personal life? Now you sound like Bob. I have no clue. I don't <laughs> do well. Um, you know, no, that's not true. Uh, this this year, uh, at, uh, I set my phone aside. As soon as my computer closes, my phone's off the side. So, like, friendships and stuff, uh, I'm not putting on hold, but, like, it's just I'm, I'm out of commission. I've also found more time to enjoy things, like, the, that I love to do. Uh, I just spend more time doing that. I also make it a party every morning I work out. And so... Um, that's just a boundary that I've put or, uh, a thing I've put in my place. Cause I know at the end of the day, if I've sat here at this desk all day, uh, I feel more refreshed because I know I did something with myself earlier on. Uh, and I just make it a priority and I do it every day. And I think as well, like when we put meaning into our personal lives and our faith lives and our friends and family, we find more meaning in the work that we do as well for our career. And the two are very much linked together, I think, um, in between it all. But thank you so much, Ben, for chatting with us today. Um, oh, that's um, that's yeah we've loved chatting to you and definitely some great practical takeaways for our listeners as well thanks for talking about everything i appreciate it so here are our takeaways from our conversation first meaning is found with hindsight sometimes when we're in the midst of a of a job or in a season um, we don't always understand exactly why we're there but usually once we get a bit of distance on it um, the impact becomes a bit clearer to us yeah, definitely. And this sort of links in with our second takeaway, which was if you can't find meaning right now, just start by loving others. Um, and yeah, I just think this is a great one because regardless of where we are, there's always something to learn and always something to give um, to the people around us. And lastly, sometimes finding meaning means redefining success. Um, I think we can go into certain jobs or certain fields with this thought of this is what it's supposed to be. But sometimes you just have to take a take a beat, take a second and think through what is it that we actually want? What is it that actually is successful to us? Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. If you know anyone who might love this episode too, go ahead and share it with them. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We love to hear your thoughts and it really helps us out. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to our email list, which you can find on the Magnify website, where you'll get connected and informed with even more inspiring content. And also our inbox is always open. So if you have a topic you want us to chat about, or if you have something that you just want to add to our conversations, you can email us at elliatmagnifycollective.com.